How you guys doing? Just want to check in with you real quick and tell you how you can come support the show. So, What's you this? guys, so this is, uh, oh, what is this? This is uh, this is called Frankenskies. Frankenskies. If you guys don't know about Frankenskies, that's a good movie. You how do you not know about Frankenskies? But if you haven't seen it yet, if you, haven't seen you it yet, absolutely must, must. Absolute must watch. And so we got a little deal for you guys. So we do have our little Patreon channel that we are building up. You know, we're starting to put some premium exclusive content, not just the Clown Towns, but exclusive Patreon content up there that's just great. Um, all three of us checking in with you uh, on the bonus land, but... Uh, if you guys, anybody that signs up for the new, uh, a new Patreon subscription at any level, uh, we will send you a copy of the DVD here with a little personalized note from the crew here. So. And I would say if you're an old Patreon subscriber, yeah, we'll, we'll send us you your up. email. Yes. We'll send we'll you see a, a, a copy a, a, as well. Any of our Patreon subscribers. Totally. That's a good 100%. point. That's, yeah. So if you're, if you're a current Patreon subscriber or a new Patreon subscriber, you send us a message in Patreon uh, with an address that we can send it to you and then we'll get you fixed up with a copy of Frankenskies by our friend Matt Landman and a little personalized note. So appreciate you guys. Also, uh, another, with love. Yeah, with love, with love. With love. Another great way to support the show, along with your health, is uh, with a TRS. So TRS is an odorless, tasteless zeolite spray that eliminates heavy metals out of your system. Um, we had some people asking today about uh, the graphene oxide thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll repost it in our Telegram. But there's a study talking about how zeolite eliminates graphene oxide, you know, vaccine injuries, stuff like that. It works well for, like, ch- childhood vaccine injuries. Um, an amazing product, you know, if you've if you got any sort of brain fog going on, which yeah. a lot of times – you don't even realize that you have it until you start yeah. doing like a TRS so, detox. Yeah. And the, by the time, like I was a couple months in, I'm like, holy shit, dude, I'm on point. Like with this stuff. Yep, so yep, I still lose my words every now and then, but much man, sharper, not, much sharper, man. Yep. Like it's, it's great. So tr- if you go to truthtrs.com, you can learn more about that or follow them on Instagram at truth TRS. And, uh, yeah. So let's see what else we got. Whoa. Cody. Cody. Cody, Cody, Cody's crystals on Instagram. He's uh, he's got the coolest gems and crystals in the business. He had some really beautiful, amazing. I just I yeah. think it was the other day or yesterday. He has wands. Yeah, little did wands. You, did you yes, see those? I did see the wands. Those yes. are so cool. Yes, yes. So if you guys want to check it out, go to at c o d y s underscore crystals at Cody's crystals on if Instagram. You want to like play Harry Potter? You're gonna need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's for sure. Yep, well, I was thinking they look magical like Christmas. I don't know. Christmas-y, I, just, yeah, I thought they kind of. I guess maybe wands aren't. I just thought because it was like I don't know. I didn't yeah. see it. I was. I've just been watching Harry Potter, so I was oh, picturing. God. I have. I have my little boy's like such a raw county. He likes all those really cool things. So when I saw the wandy things with the stars, I was like, Perfect. Oh, that's a yes on those. Yeah, so, yeah there you go. So much of his stuff, though, he has some really. It's really amazing cool stuff. stuff, you guys. So go check it out at Cody's Crystals at C O D Y S underscore Crystals on Instagram. Um, and then of course Modern Retro Radio. Adis. Shout out to Adis as our good friend. He runs a twenty four hour uh, online streaming radio station called Modern Retro Radio, which is new songs from classic artists. Yeah, you can so check fantastic. that out at modernretroradio.com, modernretrofm.com, or on the TuneIn app. Um, he's a you know friend of the show. You know he supports. We, what we we're really doing enjoy here. him. He's uh, such a cool yeah, human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a big love person. shout out to Adis, and yeah. I just love what he's doing over there. He's got a really cool thing going. So you guys go go support him. Um, let's see what else. So like, share, and subscribe, you guys. Uh, like Five star reviews, but also check out this this great shirt. This great shirt. Look at what well, we this is this is an exclusive. This is exclusive. Okay. That's well, not we're, for sale yet. We're, 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 this is a preview of what, what's if, to come. If somebody writes us and they're like, "Hey, that that she was wearing, okay. I want," we'll, we'll okay. we can hook yes, them up. But, but we we're going to streamline it soon. Yes, exactly. We're not streamlining. We got we got a new line of embroidered shirts coming soon. But for right now, you know, we can get the first generation yep. Truzilla T-shirts. At all of our cool logos. Yes, all exactly. of the scenes. Truzilla.org forward slash shirts. You got the the tr- standard. Truthzilla podcast logo. We got the Fauci gave us all AIDS shirt. You know, you got all that good stuff. So, crisis actor. Crisis actor. I you love You cannot the inject actor. health. You cannot inject health. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so go to truthzilla.org forward slash shirts to check out all that. And yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Enjoy the show. 
Welcome to Truthzilla. I am Megan, sitting across town from Scott and Ed. Hello. Yo. Our guest tonight is Mark Malone, an English-born political activist, American philosopher, and entrepreneur. He is the founder of America 21, an anti-globalist organization that seeks to undo UN initiatives that erode basic rights, and a counter-theorist on the science of social engineering. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I mean, uh, last time Scott and I talked was on the Union of the Unwanted, so mm -hmm. good to reconnect. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, thank you. I really, uh, so I've been listening to some of your interviews and, and digging into your work, and I, and it's just, uh, so this is like the most important work going on right now, you know what I mean? And it's I'm kind sure. of like a very interesting, like this whole Agenda 21 thing, it's a very interesting thing, because this is just like, I still think that, you know, when some, when you say Agenda 21 to somebody on the streets, you know, they're going to be like, oh, that's like chemtrails and, and, mm. and fluoride in the water, like it still kind of falls in that category. When I first started looking into it, I kind of had that connotation myself, and so when you really start to unpack it, and you look at it, and you look at some of these agendas, and some of the sustainable development goals, and that's another thing too, is that they, they, they water it down with all this flowery language, like, yeah, right. sustainable development, that yeah. sounds yeah. awesome. You know, equity, that sounds amazing, right? But it's just like, okay, but once you start to break it down and understand and you see the implications of it, um, you know, it's 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 very frightening. So, you know, we've done some episodes in the past covering Agenda 21 specifically um, and, and, you know, ties to Agenda and how that's kind of evolved into the whole 2030 thing. You know, we, had, so, we had Tom DeWeese on. We had, yep, we had Tom DeWeese Policy Center, yep. and uh, yeah, really dove into it. Yeah, for sure. So, so I, I mean, we're kind of coming from an assumption that our audience maybe has some somewhat of an understanding of what it is we're talking about tonight. But just in case, like maybe it'd be worth starting talking about. Maybe just give us a cursory overview of what you think are the most important highlights uh, related to Agenda 21, 2030, and then uh, want to get into your story and how you kind of got involved with this. So, yeah, wherever you so, want to start with that. Uh, yeah, so I think it'd be helpful just to give a bit of a conceptual overview. Um, so I'm assuming most of your audience obviously know about the New World Order. Most people talk about the New World Order, but it's quite vague when most people talk about it. So most people think that it's going to be some type of uh, just a clampdown of world government and, you know, uh, world police, world army, world currency. And many of those things are true, but it, it's not going to happen in the way that most theorists have, have said it's going to happen. At least there's no evidence of it working that way. So it's really important when you think of the New World Order to really just put Agenda 21 in its place. And then you have something that you can actually quantify, something that mm -hmm. you can prove, and something that they have documented that they want to happen and, and indeed is happening. So, you know, this was launched night two, with the excuse being, of course, climate change, right? So we've all seen those famous George Bush uh, 1992 videos of him saying, you know, when we're successful with this New World Order and we will be, you know, we mm -hmm. have a real chance for the United Nations to keep its peacekeeping um I guess, control. But that's really what it is. That was the year it was signed. And if you boil it down simply, if you go through the document, it really comes down to three core composites, which is land, water, and air. So what it really is, is look, we, guys, we need to control land, water, and air uh, and reduce the use of it from the private. So that means us, the public, um, for the sake of saving the world from climate change. And, you know, I'm all for kind of protecting the land. You know, I'm not a big mm -hmm. corporatist guy. I'm not in favor of mass pollution i'm not in favor of destroying the earth I, I i even hug trees sometimes so that's how mm -hmm. much i i love the earth but of course we have to be streetwise about this and look at who is peddling it yeah, and what their uh <laughs> and what their <laughs> the motivations are so when you look at land water now eventually you go well isn't that everything i mean your properties on land of course you travel on land you work on land your cars um everything food agriculture 
so you start to understand that it's the centralization of all resources on the planet, both public and private. And that really is the definition of fascism, by the way. A lot of people mm-hmm. kind of think fascism is a sort of Nazi type thing. And of course it is to one degree, but that's just one shade of it. Fascism is just emerging together of the public and the private. So Agenda 21 is in the in the technical sense fascism, but it's also communism and it's really just technocracy, which we could talk about after. But so that's what we're looking at. Now, if we fast forward to 2015, a lot of people think this Agenda 2030 came out and then that's a replacement of 21. But it, it, but it isn't. It's a major milestone year of 21. So basically what happened is they said, right, by 2030, we want to achieve 17 sustainable development goals. And those goals are you know, obviously tied into Agenda 21. You could imagine 21 as the parent company, the overarching uh, mechanism. But nestled right in the middle is 2030. So those are things like uh, no poverty, uh, and we can discuss how that would work, but uh, lockdowns destroying the global economy certainly helped that because now everyone is equally poor. You wiped yeah. out the middle class, and now suddenly, of course, well, there's no poverty because we have nothing to measure it against anymore. So uh, there's that one. But number three is probably the most critical one right now, which is good health. Now, good health, they uh, actually, this is in early 2020 as the uh, coronavirus thing was, was coming out. Um, they, they lined up an entire decade of immunization schedule. Now, so basically what good health number three in the sustainable development goals means is compulsory vaccination Mm -hmm. amongst many other things, right? So when the lockdowns, when the, uh, the whole kind of global takeover began to happen in March, 2020, I caught onto it pretty early because I have experience in data science and stuff, and, and we can talk about that too. But really it was just, I was seeing agenda 2030 becoming manifest. And I was like, oh, it's interesting. Now, I always thought, like many of us did, that the major play would be through climate change. And they will switch back to that Mm -hmm. at some point because the whole thing's built on that, so they have to. But it seemed to me that they did all the kind of underground work in climate change the last 30 years, and we can explain just how deep that has gone. It's it's gone past most people's radar. But they really did the sort of coming out into the light, coming out of the closet, so to speak, with, with the COVID. But it was the same goals. Every time, doesn't matter what the excuse is, you know, whether it's COVID or climate, it, it's always the same solution. And in this case, it is always tied back to Agenda 21. So that's your new world order in a quantifiable, provable sense, right? So this is yep. the, the political framework of what they want to implement here. And another thing that's interesting, too, is when you go and look at those actual 17 sustainable development goals, now they're all centered around COVID. Each one of them mm-hmm. has like a COVID spin to it. And so it's kind of like, and I don't know what it said before. I wasn't really looking at the sustainable development goals before COVID, even though I was like, you know, I, I've been researching this stuff for a long time, but I hadn't like really dove deep until like the last couple of years. But now when you go to the UN website, I think it's like what sustainable, I can't remember the website off the top of my head. But anyway, the sustainable development goal website. Like each one has a COVID spin and it really reminds me of like, you know, when you go back like project for new American century, you know, the peanut guys, like before nine 11, like they were talking about like, Hey, we need a new Pearl Harbor in order to bring in this new thing right. that we want to do. And then, you know, like a, a like month, the, the chicken and the egg, like which came first. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And then like a month later, you know, after nine 11, they're like, Oh, here's this like multi-thousand page Patriot act that we have already <laughs> just ready, ready for you here. You know what I mean? And so it just almost seems like it fits that same kind of idea where it's like they needed, they needed the problem. Oh, look at that. We have a solution already right here for you. Yeah, it seems like that, like Agenda 2030, it's like we need to, in order to implement this, like COVID yeah. was a necessary thing to happen. Yep, exactly. And and uh, we're seeing it right now. Like, man. So uh, let's see. So Mark, so how did you first, This how did this get on your radar to the point where you were just, you decided to take action against it? 
Yeah, so uh, a little bit about me. I come from a uh, council estate in England, so what we call the projects out here. So I, I am very much from the, the most ghetto of ghetto environments you could, you could possibly think mm-hmm. of. Um, I grew up a uh, very poor, welfare, single mother, a lot of violence, a lot of drugs. Um, but I happened to be born with a little bit of a good noggin um, where I happened to somehow stumble into working for one of the top universities in data science, linguistic analysis, uh, behavior analysis, also... Um, I've been studying philosophy of science at Oxford University, which is the number one university in the world. Uh, and how any of that happened, I don't know. Divine grace, perhaps. So I ha- kind of gathered a lot of these skills, but also managed to retain those street smarts and behavior. Learned more about behavior in the ghettos than I ever did studying or uh, working for academia. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I, I can notice when it comes to why I jumped into this, there's, there's many reasons. I've been dabbling in research for this for about a decade but i had a son who was born so i have two babies now um both under two and the first the boy was born march 12 2020 so just yeah. as the lockdowns and everything happened um so i was kind of in the hospital and just had this baby and then i was kind of i came out of the hospital with the baby in a different world literally into a, a transformed environment so i then had to adopt this seriously and i was like wow okay i have a son now the you know the world is changing i have to actually do something about this information now you can't just you know, retain it like it's gold. So I chose to try to utilize the skills for, you know, a greater purpose, mostly for my children's future. You know, this is, uh, this is their home and I don't want it to be stolen from them. So I, I think did that uh, can be overstated enough. I mean, I think a lot of us that are in this fight, it is for our children, right? Like, because mm-hmm. if I, w- if I didn't have children at this point, I, I don't know, like Scott, uh, props to you, but, uh, you know, me and Megan, I know this is all about for the next generation. You know, we need to pass the torch is how we look at it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have young children as well. And just, the, I mean, like, and they weren't born at that time, but like overnight the world was changing into, I like for those of us who could, who could see it was going, it was not the kind of world that we wanted for our children in any way, shape or form. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of what threw me, you know, I was like, right, I'm all in. I have to yeah. be, cause I have to be. Um, I did a data model on coronavirus in March of 2020. This was all posted on Facebook cause I was kind of working it out. I was like, well, I've done data models before. They, they told us to in a, 0.1 million people are going to die in, in this country. And I thought, well, if that's true, I'm going to have a look at it. And I built a model. Long story short is they used a completely incorrect mathematical uh, equation. So what they they called it exponential increase, which is exponential function. Long story short, what that means is two becomes four, becomes eight, becomes 16, becomes mm-hmm. 32. So you're looking at a constant like geometric uh, doubling. Um, what I realized, it was like, no, the, the infection, the death is more like two, four, six, eight. It's normal. It's like a flu. Basically, it's exactly like that. And I just want to stop for just one second. Not to mention, though, that that was all based on it was uh, with Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson. Neil Ferguson, who I mean, his history of predictions. I mean, he's he is he is brought in to 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 create fear and to give false predictions. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, this is kind of the this is why I came to this conclusion very early in March last year because it's like if I new father running a business on my laptop can come up with the more accurate statistics than the top universities in the world and all the money in the world, then I, I can't say that that's by accident. It can't, I mean, I'm not that smart. No one is right. So it can't be that they just like, Oh yeah, it was just a blunder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that got me into it. And then when we fast forward to 2021, actually it was a, uh, it was a politician, a chairman of Yellowstone County in Montana. He reached out to me in uh, end of last year, early this year. And asked me if he saw the Facebook post and he asked me if I could help politically 
with this sustainable development, this uh, Agenda 2030. He knew because I'd explained it through Facebook that it was all linked. COVID was all linked to this. And then, um, so I launched America 21 off the back of that. I did the presentation to the party at the convention in Montana. Uh, three weeks later, the government, uh, the governor, sorry, ended climate membership, Montana's climate membership. A few weeks after that, banned mandatory vaccinations. Mm. And at this point, I have now three county governments sponsoring my plan to withdraw from the UN. So it's exciting times. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And and so I guess, can we talk a little bit about how they, they come at these city councils? Because when I was looking at this the last time, mm-hmm. um, that was kind of my determination. And it's funny. So we're in Eugene, Oregon, um, you know, very, very blue area. It's just like a sea of masks everywhere you look. Yeah. And uh, so Ickley, I know, is involved with the, the UN, you know, and, and I guess mm-hmm. Eugene is one of their pilot cities. There's like three, I think it's like Oakland some town in Indiana and Eugene, Oregon are like some of their pilot cities for some of their initiatives. And so I was like, Oh God, so we're deep in it here. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and so, so my understanding though, is that like, that's what, that's what they do is they, they, they send out like emissaries or ambassadors to these small towns or regions. And they basically come with like a prepackaged, like prepackaged legislation. And they say, and here's the money to do it. Like type of thing. Is that, is that kind of how it works? Is that fair to say? Yeah. So if you could indulge me for a few minutes, I can explain how the hierarchy works. Um, So, one thing that I tried to bring to the table when I was launching this, when I was speaking, I was like, okay, I'm invited to a GOP convention, so I have to be serious. As much as I'd love to quote David Icke or Alex Jones, I'm not going to. So I, it, everything has to be to the T. So I use only all their own literature, only their own resources, their own citations, and build a presentation around that. So uh, one thing that I wanted to add that I've never seen done before by anyone in this movement is the exact hierarchy of how this is implemented. Because if we're going to if the county governments who are now backing me want to remove it, they need to understand exactly what is happening and how. So it begins, let's just say, with I mean, it really begins with Rockefeller, but, but let's yeah. just say the United Nations for now. So you have that at the top. Then you have the United Nations Convention for Climate Change. So this would be where they get the Bill Gateses uh, and all these types of people. So conference. And they say, right, this is how we want to combat climate change. Below that, you have the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. This is where you have Biden... Boris Johnson, people like that will come in and they'll say, all right, how can we create legislation out of this? Underneath that, you have what's called the new urban agenda. And this is perhaps the most important part long term, especially where you guys live. You're you're in a region which is called Cascadia, which would be Western Oregon, Washington, and actually break national borders and go up to Canada, West mm. um, British Columbia. So there's a region that they want by 2050 to take over Western Oregon, Western Washington, and Western BC. Um, so new urban agenda basically draws up this uh, map, regionalization map of the world and says, OK, so long story short would be London will be a city state. Uh, SoCal, there's no California anymore. SoCal is a city state. NorCal is a city state. Cascadia, three states merged into one is now a city state. And this is very reminiscent of the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire created city states. This is how they worked. Uh, it wasn't like the British or it wasn't like many others where it was like conquering nations. What the Roman Empire basically did is create city-states across Europe. So people identified with the city they lived in as as their state in a similar way to how you would if you're from Arizona or or Oregon. So they're kind of recreating that globally. So this UN would essentially control these regions globally. So you go from UN to city-state region. Very Hunger Games style, like Mm -hmm. districts, unfortunately. Or Judge Dredd would be cooler, but I don't think we're getting any Judge Dredds out of this one. So... Uh, so they new urban agenda. Then we get to United Cities and local governments. These are the NGOs that work with ICLEI, for example. 
ICLEI and UCLG basically go to these uh, mayors and councils at major cities across the world and, you know, give them give them um, donations, give them money, give them support, train them, coerce them into adopting this this policy from top to bottom. And then just before we get to the city council level, we get to these two American organizations. One's called Councils of Governments. One is called Metropolitan Planning Organizations. So council governments basically go to your city council and your mayor and say, look, if you want federal funds that we have, we get the federal funds from the Federal Highway Commission and from the Department of Homeland Security. So say you're the city council, you're the mayor. You want to build roads. You want to, you want to uh, I don't know, increase the school budget. Well, this council of government say you're only going to be able to get that federal money for the roads or for increasing business uh, district if you adopt the climate regulation. So therefore, you're now forced to adopt that to get the money. And the metropolitan planning organizations basically do the same for private business. They'll say, look, you want to operate in our town, you have to go by these stringent rules. And then finally, at the bottom, we have your city council, which uh, now will take this, all of this, all the way from top to bottom and implement it into 2030 legislation. So if you go to every major city across America, they will have 2030 legislation implemented. Mm -hmm. In Montana, it's in Missoula. Um, in Arizona here, we have it in pretty much every city in the state. And it's a very kind of conservative, libertarian state, mm -hmm. but yet it's implemented everywhere. So what happens when we reach that 2030 deadline is your city is now kind of passed its jurisdiction over to global governance. And it's no longer really operating as a as a part of DC anymore. So that's how it, it works. And by the way, most of that legislation has already been put into law. So when mm -hmm. I went to do this conversation, um, this convention, I explained to them, I showed them, look, Missoula in Montana, you have it implemented in your law already. It was implemented in early 2020. So it's already done. Now the time just ticks down. There's nothing, they're not trying to do it. It's already done. And that's mm -hmm. the case in most major cities across the world. So we unfortunately kind of passed the boat of stopping it. Now we have to repeal. Now we repeal. have to repeal. Absolutely. And that kind of reminds me of just the notion that, you know, we are all sitting around talking about the new world order, the one world government, right? Like my picture, like this guy sitting on a big throne somewhere, you know what I mean? And he's the one ruler <laughs> of this, this government with like a council, like a round table sitting around him and like mm -hmm. the whole world, there's no, now the map is just, it's just all the continents are just the same color, you know, it's just the same color. And, uh, that, that's the new world government, right? But it's fair to say that it's already in place because you talk about global governance mm -hmm. and that's a big difference. And so can we break down the difference between global government, like the way all we all picture it and global governance? Yeah, that's really one of the most important distinctions because this is how it's bypassed most of us. So we kind of thought D.C. or Westminster or Brussels, um, actually with Brussels, with the EU, it kind of does do this. But with sovereign nations, it's different. Um, so we kind of thought, you know, it would be passed down and then they would kind of end the nation and suddenly now someone in the center of the world would control it. But really what it is, is governance means that it doesn't have to be elected, nor does it have mm -hmm. to be via legislation. Now, I know we just talked about legislation, but what that legislation basically is, is just to restrict you from doing anything. Uh, carbon neutral, so no cars, no private business, no airplane travel, no agriculture, basically do, well, it's your life over the last two years, just for this time, a different excuse and permanent. But it's the same thing. So all the legislation is, is to restrict you from doing everything. It isn't to take the power into the city council at all. In fact, it's given to corporate stakeholders and it's given to these NGOs, UN NGOs. So what you basically mm -hmm. have is not a world government, but you have world economic forum types controlling it. So corporate types alongside 
you know, new urban agenda and these NGOs. And at the local level, it's the exact same structure, top bottom. So in the county in Montana, we have also corporate stakeholders with the NGOs, right? So in this sense, ICLE and um, Northwestern Energy, the, the, the energy company, they now control the essentially the future of that state of that region mm-hmm. so they essentially wiped the government out of it completely and i think this is where a lot of us and i've been uh, historically very libertarian but i mm-hmm. think this is where a lot of us have been tricked because what we haven't really seen is that no they were never really going for more government what they were doing is just using that to restrict us and actually they want to give it away to to corporate stakeholders completely mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. why it's governance and not governments there will really be no government we won't have any elected politicians, you know, and that's what the technocracy is. That's what technocracy is. It's the merging together of politics, medicine, business, education, agriculture. Um, but it isn't the, like in a communist sense, where you have government like clamping down, because that's kind of what communism is. We're going to come in, we're going to tell you how to run anything. No, no, in this case, they kind of give that away to these elite groups of stakeholders, and then they do it. Mm, interesting. So I was just uh, kind of take me back to the, you know, what does that legislation look like that's already implemented that's going to be, you know, it's, we're kind of looking at a countdown to, to where is, is that going to be like the carbon tax laws that are going to come through? Have, have they already passed that legislation? What exactly is the legislation you're speaking of? Like use Montana, for example, what mm-hmm. would be here? Um, yeah. So it's the same pattern everywhere. The reason I'm uh, obviously highlight Montana is because that's kind of where we've begun the fight sure. back, but, but the pattern's the same. So you could apply it to Oregon and Arizona too. Um, it's carbon neutral, essentially. Sure. And again, on the surface, you think, man, it's probably not too big deal. Again, until you figure out what that really ties into. And it ties into everything, of course, not just the cars, but how you run a business, how much energy you consume, how much water you consume, the use of livestock, not just the amount, the actual use of livestock completely, uh, the use of travel, right? So suddenly you can't run the kind of business you want. You can't earn the kind of money you want, you can't even use the amount of resources like water. You don't even own the water anymore. You don't even own the food anymore. So carbon neutral is tied into so many other things in the web that the memorandum doesn't show, which is why all this kind of background research is necessary. Because as I kind of highlighted at the convention, uh, page 350 of the biodiversity assessment reports of the UN's biodiversity assessment report states, livestock has to go. Mm-hmm. travel has to go so you don't see that in a memorandum but you do see it in other documents so it's kind of this mad situation where you have to string together all these different things to get to the core point and the core point is just a what we've experienced over the last two years on steroids yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we're seeing that in oregon i think i've heard that this is a thing that they try to do every few years but uh there is an initiative they're trying to put on the ballot to eliminate livestock here in oregon um, it's uh, IP number 13, um, basically makes it a crime to, for like animal husbandry would be a crime and like breeding animals and, uh, uh, castrating animals. It would be like a sex, sex crime. It'd be considered a sex crime basically. Like it's insane. Like they're really, they're really pushing it here. And, and I just want to make the distinction though. Like I, I just feel like it's important when we, when we mention this kind of stuff, you know, like, um, like large monocrop fields and, you know, how they treat a lot of these animals that are, you know, um, that's a good like, point. There's, yeah. there's ways they're doing things that, that aren't good that yeah. I don't necessarily support, but I don't, we don't want to give away the control to the bad guys, yeah, right? Exactly. Like that's what we, right. we don't want them to control all the resources. And that's what this is coming down to is yeah. them controlling every resource. And, uh, and as we become slaves at that point. Yeah, right? I think that's such so. a huge distinction to make. Like, like Charlie Robinson, you know, friend of both of ours, I think, like talks mm-hmm. about that a lot. You know, just like the fact that yes, we're not talking about 
pollution like pollution sucks like we're all we all should be opposed to that you know what i mean like this is terrible this is like nightmarish the way we treat our planet it's absolutely disgusting it's terrible you know um the fact that they're just like pointing the finger at us like it's my fault it's all my fault and then i have to pay taxes in order to fix the problem like that's where it's like hold on now you now you lost me now you lost me at this one right (laughs) yeah and i think that the you know to us it's obvious you know why they do it right it's like of course you want to control the food supply control the food mm-hmm. control the people right it, it, it makes total sense to us yeah. but for most people they they don't see the evil intent behind people uh, and i think that this is really the fundamental difference between us and uh what people call quote the normies right mm-hmm. the, the the primary difference isn't that they can't understand the information it's that they can't really understand why someone would have that intention mm-hmm. that's the real big issue so they they go why would someone do that and i go well why would someone be a psychopath? I mean, that's who they are. That's what they are, you know, and you're trying to relate it to you, you know, a normal person that generally just wants people to leave you alone and you want to leave other people alone, but they aren't those people. They mm-hmm. believe that it, it's their duty to reshape man in their image, you know, and then in a sense, they're very uh, loose fair in this way. They, they, yeah. they believe that they are God and mm-hmm. it is their job to reshape us in their image. Right. So that's really what luciferianism is i mean i do believe in a real lucifer by the way but i try not to take it into that territory i look at it more just as a philosophy right it's just mm-hmm. like uh any any philosophy you I mean i'm not greek but i like aristotle right i can still adopt a philosophy so mm-hmm. what luciferianism really is is that look i'm i'm god and nature and man is subordinate to me and because nature and man is subordinate to me i need to reshape it see they rockefeller called it mandatory liberation now, if you ever want to hear Orwellian speak, mm-hmm. one, that really sums up how these people think. Mandatory liberation. They're going to force you to be different, right? They're going to force you to be free. Even if you want your families, we think you're better single. We think you're better without children. We think you're better without a nation. So we're going to break it down for you because we know better than you. So most normal people can't understand that that's how they think. So they, they can't really put together why livestock would be such a big deal. Because they don't understand why someone would want to control the food to starve people if they don't comply because they're trying to mandatory li- uh, mandatorily liberate us, right? So mm-hmm. I think that communication thing is important. Wow. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm just in my mind. I mean, I think all of us, when we hear about this stuff, you know, you go to to the smart cities and seeing what the future really looks like. And, and I'm seeing like the, the metaverse play out as as they're cutting, the, the you know, they're they're con- restricting the carbon and they're they're building this world, this virtual world for us. They're 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 taking away our world and they're building a virtual world and they're going to make that virtual world the, the, the better place to be for us is what their plan is. Right. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty diabolical. Well, I I'm sure we could have all seen the, the the metaverse on the horizon there. You know, I think we've all like even like the Matrix essentially is a commentary on like, you know, how humans are going to be kind of forced into some sort of alternative reality. But where do you see the the confluence of the this new metaverse and how it's like actually now becoming a thing uh, in, in correlation with the Agenda 21 Sustainable Development Goals, Agenda 2030 and all that? You know, it's really interesting because when you brought up Charlie, so yeah, Charlie's a friend of mine too. And mm-hmm. I was on his podcast in, uh, I want to say mid July of this year. And one of the things I said to him, you know, we were, I was, I was saying that we're kind of moving. So the, the, the decade of the twenties, the one we're in now, uh, that's 1984. That's the crackdown boot to the skull. Um, but the, the 2030s onwards is brave new world where mm. you must be happy 
with your slavery, right? You must, you must want it. You have to want it because it can't last a century unless you want it. So right now it's about breaking down the will. Right now it's about cracking the psychology. It's uh, making the brain malleable through trauma or mm-hmm. neuroplasticity, right? So as a child, you have neuroplasticity. And what that basically means is that you, you learn things very quickly. Your brain is in a very malleable state. Trauma puts adults back into that state, an infantilized state. So we, we saw that on mass in 2020, uh, March, 2020. We've seen it ongoing. So right now, this decade is about keeping that malleability and, and reconditioning you. It's like Play-Doh, right? We're going to recondition the brain and we're going to put it in a different shape. And once it's set, then you'll be happy with the slavery. But we have to keep shaping it first, right? This is how they think. So yeah. that's this decade. 2030s is Brave New World. The reason I wanted to give that backstory is because when it comes to VR, I said in Charlie's show that that is Soma from Brave New World. So Soma is the drug in Brave New World mm-hmm. that they yeah. take. To, you know, to, to be elated, right? Like to be happy with their slavery. And it's funny, I said that just a few months before Metaverse came out and I was like, yeah, there you go. So the Metaverse, this whole VR world is the, the Soma from Brave New World. It is the drug that is to keep you happy with your slavery and to keep you happy with the fact that you don't own anything, right? You own nothing and be happy, mm-hmm. as Klaus Schwab mm-hmm. said. And if you can own everything in the Metaverse, right? If I can have a, a beautiful wife and great children and earn a lot of money and or maybe even be a warrior, whatever I want to be. Right. I don't, I don't really need a real house or a real car anyway. You know, I don't really need real food. I can eat like cypher in the matrix. I can eat my fake steak. And to me, it feels mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. we're really looking at the drug. That is the drug really that will keep people locked in that slavery. Yeah. It's a, it'd be the easiest way I can think of to control people. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be tempting. They're going to make it like this whole reality so unbearable that, you know, and then they're going to offer this beautiful little thing over here. But hopefully by that point we will have, I mean, I don't know, man, I don't know at this point, like hopefully we will have built our little intentional community somewhere or something. Cause there's or, a lot or, of us that'll have never have bought into it or, right? or something, like, something, you know, I mean the, the, the fear tactic is, is that we're all supposed to be afraid of each other because of the virus. And, and mm-hmm. there's so many of us who just have never bought into that. Right. So yeah, um, yeah. it's, it's not working on all of us as they'd like. And I, but again, I, Oh, no, we're good. We're good. Okay. Again, I think, I think that they've kind of accounted for some of that though. But, yep. Absolutely. Sorry. I lost my, uh, <laughs> HDMI can got unplugged there a little bit, but anyway, um, I would but, say to to just to add, just to add on to that, I think that so the way that I see the future is is a split nation, yeah. yeah. Um, and to be honest, I would see that across pretty much the whole world, right? Because every we we see this uh, split everywhere, but in America, we're a bit more fortunate because our unvaxxed population is actually quite a bit higher than most places. For example. You know, uh, UK is like 12% unvaxxed. We're like 30% unvaxxed. So it's, you know, it's nearly three times the amount of unvaxxed here. So there's a lot to be grateful for in that because 30% of 350 million population is a fuck ton of people. It's a lot of people that's on our side, right? We're looking at at least 100 million like us. So the way that I see the future, to be honest, to some degree is is a split nation. I see uh, a, a... a new America, free America for the 21st century, which is what I'm working towards and what we're working towards. And I see other states dropping off into global governance with the rest of the world. Um, but I am hopeful that we can keep the core of America free. Um, but I'm not hopeful that we can save the 50 state nation model. Yeah, that's that's a great conversation that I'd love to get into. You know what I mean? So so let's well, let's first talk about uh, America 2021. 20, um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I'm gonna make a note to talk about that because I feel like secession, man. Like, like, where do I sign? Like, let's do this. Let's let them have. Like, I'll even let them have the West Coast, dude. The West Coast is the best. I love the you know California, Oregon. This is the best land in the world, man. But you can have it. I'm out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so You've I think that's worth talking about. Freedom is, I suppose, you know. Yes, that's- exactly. But but tell us a little bit about America 21. Well, actually, that really ties into so my aims isn't, you know, explicitly to obviously break up the nation. Um, yeah. But my aims is to protect a core middle part of the nation. So so our job is, OK, so we get this done in Montana. Right. We we six months ago, uh, I didn't even have a Facebook account because it was deleted, let alone, you know, being able to nudge governors on on mandates. And more importantly, at this point, to have county governments back in the plan. So that's just five to six months of work. Right. What I would like to see four or five years from now is multiple states who have withdrawn from this, right? And then what I see is a free core of America still existing. And then even if, God forbid, the coasts do still get pulled into global governance with the rest of the world, we've we've rescued a core of the country that is still America, that is still ours, right? That is still constitutional, that has ripped out the tentacles of this demonic global governance system. And we will still be free because we did the work before it came to pass. So that's really the crux of everything I do is to make sure, look, if, if it's three states, great. If it's 10, great. However, as many we can get, I think we can get at least half of the states, to be honest. So uh, that's our goal. That's exactly what we're doing. So once we win in Montana, we go to the next state and we keep building, we keep growing. And we really do need a lot of help from you know, listeners on the activism mm-hmm. side, because one of the things that helped us nudge Montana so much was obviously getting local governments on board the plan. And as much as I've done a lot, I'm one guy. I can only mm-hmm. do so much. The reality is thou- 1,000 of you guys sending, you know, if you live in a city, 1,000 of you sending a letter about this or a, even a petition to injunction, which is a, essentially a legal recourse to block it because it's mm-hmm. unconstitutional. It goes against Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution. So there, there are a lot of remedies. I have these on the website, by the way, mm-hmm. and the local activism PDF which you can find on uh, clicking the homepage. So we, I basically need people to start doing this where they live. That's the critical thing that we need to do now. I'm going to keep hitting the state Senate level as much as I can, try to spread this out. But ultimately, you guys know more about where you live than I do. So we need, uh, we need people on the ground. Well, we always, I always say, we support however people are fighting back on all fronts but but you know our big thing is we've gotten involved in freedom cells i don't know if you know derek bros and that movement but um essentially the you know the concept behind that is to just uh you know cut your dependence on on mm-hmm. the government and in anything so so when they roll out mandates and and things like this that they can't affect you you know and he i mean he's all about intentional communities and uh and uh you know learning to get get off the the fiat currency and uh and things such as that and uh th- at the same time you know what you're doing is actually shifting shifting the governments to do the right thing it, it almost seems unreal to me sometimes mm-hmm. that that's actually happening but we've seen in the last uh, couple of weeks here that all of Biden's uh vaccine mandates have been stricken down by the courts so i i guess um like where do you see you know uh maybe it's just because we're in the west coast where it's it feels like unbearable. It feels like we can't overturn this. It just feels like the only option is to just cut off our dependence on the government Entirely, altogether. Yeah. 
or, mm-hmm. or but but you know if we were to move I and mean, we talk about moving all the time mm-hmm. to to a I'm place that's, that's freer and, and and uh and then fighting that fight there so right well um, you know where i live in arizona it's been completely normal for an entire year now yeah, yeah. you know i've had i there's no there's no not only are there no mask mandates or obviously vaccine mandates but i mean vaccine passports are banned in arizona yeah. And Arizona is not even the freest state. Montana is freer, but of course, South Dakota is like the king of the king on this yep, one. Yep. Um, never had a mandate at any point, right? So people are still about Sweden. I'm like, Sweden's halfway to a technocracy already. Mm-hmm. Look at South Dakota. Th- that's freedom, right? Yeah. You know, so there are a lot of great spots in the country. I, I think the, because uh, actually in 2020, I was almost going to take this this freedom cell route myself because I was like, ah, oh, there's, yeah, my thinking was let's just withdraw because they they absolutely rely on dependency. That's 100% true. But then, you know, I really thought about it a lot and I thought, yes, America has problems, but it's still the best system that has ever been created in the world. Yeah. Do we really want to let that go? And I don't think that we should let that go. I don't want them, paras- those parasites, to take what can be and still was the best system in the world. Uh, so I want to take that back. And are we going to take it back in 50 states? As I said, I don't think we can, but we can still take it back in a lot of places. And, you know, I kind of want my children to, to grow up in a society the way that we did. You know, I want them to have the freedom that we did to, to go to a concert if they want to, to, to go to a bar when they're old enough, to, to drive across states and stuff. So I, I want to try to save that first. And if necessary, then we can retreat afterwards. But I, I feel like, there's a lot we haven't done that we can do. And again, I'm showing that just in a few months, right? So I think that we can, we can take some of it back and we will. I, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I love that so much. And, and I would say that there is a lot of data that's showing that, uh, that maybe we are winning in, in, and I mean, with, with what you're doing there, I mean, obviously you're having great success, but I mean, you know, they've done a lot of polls recently to show, you know, how many people are against, uh, you know, mandates, uh, as far as vaccine mandates and things like this and across the country and a, a lot of other countries, they're showing more than 50% of us are against what's going on right now. So now, now we just need to kind of show them the rest of the plan, right? <laughs> like right. that's, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to. And, uh, I mean, climate, climate change, obviously, uh is the long-term goal of of this whole this whole plan hinges on mm-hmm. climate change mm-hmm. right so could you could you kind of just for our listeners that um I, I think most of them probably understand how this works but just break down the the the, the carbon hustle for us yeah um so we can put it in a few different terms but i guess i'll explain a couple of key facts because these are good ones to reel off to people when when they talk to you about climate change so the first important one 97% of scientists agree, right? And you, that's the common one. You see it all the time. Uh, that's false. So that figure is taken from John Cook University in Queensland, Australia, right? 11,944 scientific papers were submitted on the subject, climate change. Then they say 97% of scientists agree. No, no. Those are just the amount submitted. Of the 97%, 33% think that climate change is partially caused by humans. <laughs> Only half a percent think it's totally caused by humans. Half a percent. Mm-hmm. With a third being partially and two thirds being not, not knowing, right? Not really having a concrete answer either way. So the majority of scientists don't agree. That's the first important thing. Second important thing, Yale University did a really good study uh, on the carbon dioxide in the, uh, on the atmosphere. I think this was around 2015. 
And there's a Dr. Judith Curry, and there's a lot of great climatologists in this country doing work on this. But basically, we have about 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere right now. If we go down to 150 parts per million, so if we cut it just over half, they believe that plant life would cease to exist because there wouldn't be enough carbon dioxide for plants to exist. So there goes our entire way of life. We could afford to go out comfortably to 2,000 parts per million of carbon dioxide. And in some parts of history, they didn't stipulate where. So I would probably assume the Industrial Revolution time, we have been as high as 4,000 parts per million, so 10 times where we are now. So those are just two really important things. Most scientists don't agree. And we have been 10 times higher in carbon dioxide in the past couple of centuries. So uh, it's all, uh, of course, utter nonsense. But the the, the climate is changing. The climate is heating up. You know, we we do see these cycles. And and by the way, it's going to cool down this decade. Mm. It heated up and then it's going to really, you know, cool down. And they call that the Monde Minimum, right? So Mm. around the medieval period, 1100 to 1600 AD, we had about four degrees Celsius increase, which is, you know, over 10 degrees Fahrenheit increase. And then kind of sharp drop into a mini ice age. So we're going to just go through these cycles and they do the same well, thing. They, they did do change the, the, COVID, the right? terminology from global warming to climate change. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they had to do that. Down. Right. So. Yeah. And it's the same thing as the, the COVIDs, the COVIDs as Jeff Bowert calls mm-hmm. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, where they take a, a problem that does exist in the sense that people do get sick, people do get colds, people do get flus and they die, but they rebrand it as something completely different. And then sell you a solution that has nothing to do with the problem. Yeah. And climate change is the same. You know, you have you do have a warming and a cooling that exists. That's real. They're monitoring that, but they're attributing something completely false to the to the cause, and then attri- therefore attributing obviously a completely false solution to the problem. Because premise, premise, conclusion. If the premise is incorrect, then of course the conclusion is going to be incorrect, right? So if you're saying it's carbon dioxide, which is false premise, then the solution is going to be false, right? So. Uh, they always just rebrand shit. That's that's what they do. They take a problem and then call it something else and give you a shit solution to it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the climate thing, you know. Um, I would say the most important thing, you know, because uh, there's so much information and I always spat out a lot of information. You have to forgive me on that one. I've got like tons of shit rolling around up in my head. So, but I think people can sometimes like some of the listeners and shows I've been on before can sometimes get lost in the weeds. Cause like, well, is it climate? Is it COVID? What does it mean? Where is it going to go? So I always try to distill it down to the most important one problem, which is the vaccine passport. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing you absolutely must resist, it's, it is the vaccine passport. That's the most important thing because that's in the EU and in Israel and probably in a lot of other countries and continents, it's called the green vaccine passport. They're rolling right? it out in Oregon on March 8th. Yep. Are they yeah. calling it a green pass there? No, it's just called health pass, I think. Is health pass. Yeah. Because in the EU but and the in green Israel, pass, yes. they call it the green pass, right? And why that's, of course, so important is because if we fast forward to, say, 2026 from now, the vaccine part will be all forgotten about and it will just be yeah. a green pass. So they're already calling it, of course, the green pass. They're already setting people up for, the, for that. And why the vaccine passport is obviously so important is because that that links to the Green Pass, which, of course, becomes the social credit system, which is your technocracy locked in forever. Right. Mm. Um, And the Green Pass is even more concerning than the vaccine pass because the vaccine pass still has some limits. Right. Like like you said, you can retreat. You don't. All right. I'm not going to go to your stupid shows. I'm not going to go to your stupid supermarkets. The problem with the green pass is it's it goes down to the finest detail, like how many times have you flushed the toilet? Mm-hmm. How much water are you using, right? 
how much food are you using? Are you even allowed to grow food? It, it will encompass everything, every mm-hmm. fine detail. So this is the stepping stone to that. So when I always kind of try to say, you know, there's a lot of data, there's a lot of info, climate, COVID, vaccine pass. That's a critical thing. Vaccine pass is the green pass, is then the social credit system. So if you can stop that and we can peel that back, that in itself is a major win and a major blow to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You'd think that uh, these climate activists, if they really wanted to you know, maximize their efforts, they would try to prevent volcanoes from exploding because a single <laughs> volcanic eruption puts out more carbon than like all human life combined times a million or something like that. So like, like I think stop marching the streets and make sure that these volcanoes do not explode. That's and, right. and why don't we just stop killing people that invent cars that uh, yeah. run, on, run on water? Yeah, right? exactly. If we could just leave those scientists around, like that'd be great. Yeah. Right. Um, you well, know, maybe stop bombing Syria so much. That I would that. Yeah, a lot please. of carbon, wouldn't it? Please. Maybe one of these kids in Syria might have a, come, you know, grow up and, and reinvent or re-expose the world to free energy, man. Like, come on. I mean, it's um, crazy to watch these like BLM types, whether, and I'm not, a, I'm definitely not a fan of the police force by any stretch, but, mm-hmm. I, but I will say this, right? You, these people pretend to care about some guy who died. And I'm like, you, you're supporting people that murdered a half a million Syrians. Mm-hmm. And you expect me to believe that you care about brown people? Yeah. And that's just one of the many atrocities happening right now. I know, it's Don't insane. even get me started. And, the, and, you know, the climate thing, of course, ties into this. Because, like, you're, you're supporting a multi-trillion dollar uh, carbon army. Mm-hmm. And you'd want me to stop eating beef? Yeah. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you know, these people are just maniacal. They're just demented. Like, the, did you see the one speech that one guy, I can't remember his name, but he was talking about how he feels very legitimately like this is his like proposal that we need to genetically engineer humans to be about half the size that they are because that will reduce the <laughs> amount of energy needed to transport and also yeah. the amount of food consumption. Yeah. Like, so we just need to, to engineer humans to be like teeny little people. It'd be perfect. Perfect solution. <laughs> like, I, like in, yeah. in front of a big like world economic forum type group of people. Like this is this is this is our idea, but uh, what do you I got, Megan? And I was just gonna say, I ha- I had to sit up for that one. I was I had not heard that. <laughs> he really said that. Matthew's paper really was about how, what we might want to do to uh, make ourselves wh- how we might ethically edit ourselves for climate change, for example. But so I'm really curious to hear how you how you uh, where you take. Possibly we can use human engineering to make it the case that we're intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. Another example is, and- uh, You go uh, first. Yeah. And another example is sort of, and here I'll go first, right? Uh, you'll see that uh, I'm the smallest person here, right? And uh, well, um, yeah, well, yeah Amy's I, the I smallest think... person. So it turns out that the larger you are, think of the lifetime sort of greenhouse gas emissions that are required to sort of the energy that's required to transport larger people rather than smaller people, right? Um, but if we're smaller, just by 15 centimeters, right? It, that's a mass, uh, you know, I did the math and it's about mass reduction of 25%, which is huge. And 100 years ago, we we're all on the average smaller, about 50, exactly about 15 centimeters smaller, right? So think of just the, you know, like lifetime greenhouse gas emissions if we had smaller children. 
right? And so that's something that we could do through some well, sort so of human. Could we, like, setting yeah. aside, should yeah. we? For yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Making jeans be smaller so we yeah. consume less and we travel lighter. Yep. Exactly. That's All it. Right. That's. Wow. I, I, I heard something new today. Yep. Wow. That's what. That's what we're up against, <laughs> Megan. So. Mark, I want to ask, uh, just to follow up, you know, um, obviously we've talked a, a lot about, you know, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and uh, how, how does the World Economic Forum fit into this and uh, the, the Great Reset, the Great Narrative, everything that's going on? Like, are, are they, how, how are they related to the United Nations? Yeah, are they in competition or are they working together or how's that? Yeah, no, they're, they're generally working together. Mm. The, you know, the one thing that I disagree with a lot of researchers on in this movement, though, is that there there is definitely an elite but there really is no the elite in the sense mm -hmm. that there, there are a few competing factions here yeah. uh, you can see this with trump so trump is very much backed by israeli elites but very much disliked by un wef eu elites so you even see some friction there mm -hmm. but they're both elites they're both kind of vying for the new world order but different versions of that new world order one more controlled by israel one more controlled by say the un the eu but nonetheless when it comes to the World Economic Forum and United Nations, they're pretty much in lockstep. The Great Reset is essentially, a, it's better to think of the World Economic Forum as a think tank, because that's basically what it is, right? Sure. So the, the, the institution itself doesn't really have any power. What has power is Klaus Schwab himself, uh, of course, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, the people that are, attend there, they will be stakeholders in the system but not the organization itself. The organization is just a, a meeting up. You could think of it that way. It certainly puts out propaganda and all those things, but it doesn't really have any power in a sense. The people do though. Klaus does, right? So in a sense, um, the Great Reset is just an ideology. The way that I always try to break this down for people is the, the Great Reset is Agenda 21 and it is Agenda 2030 and it is the new world of this. The same thing, but you're looking at different layers of analysis. So the Great Reset is an ideology like uh, capitalism. Right. There's no like capitalist system. Capitalism is an idea. Right. And that idea is free exchange, free trade. Right. Well, the Great Reset's similar. It's not really it's not a legislation. There's no Great Reset uh, 2030, which is why I don't focus on it. And I, I've said this in interviews before where I said the reason that we, we, we shouldn't focus on it is because you can't you're fighting an idea. You're fighting mm -hmm. a phantom. And there's nothing tangible for us to attack there where there is with 2030 and sure. Agenda 21. So that. But you're attacking the same structure. It doesn't matter. So Great Reset's like a narrative. It's like a capitalism. It's, it's an idea. Uh, 21, of course, is the political, fundamental political foundation. And 2030 being the major mark of that foundation. So they're all the same, different mm -hmm. ways of the same thing. Unless we can take Klaus Schwab and strip him naked and march him through the town square. Like, I'd be down with that. That'd be a good way to attack the Great Reset, you know? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, well, you know, as, as somebody said, yeah, somebody said in my Telegram group, we're like, oh, we need to hang the Rothschilds. And I was like, well, look, I mean, you're not going to get any arguments from me on these sorts of things, but mm -hmm. let's be real. Like, if you to take out Klaus Schwab, he's going to be replaced like that. Exactly. Right? Oh, totally, totally. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't kill this idea because it's it's uh it's it's an ideology right it's totally. like oh, i'm going to kill communism it's like you can't really ensure you can mm -hmm. kill stalin it's just going to sprout up somewhere so what we which is why i take a, a pragmatic approach i'm like i just want to block you guys out i want to mm -hmm. lock i want to build a wall around technocracy and i want to keep you guys out and mm -hmm. the first way of doing that of course is getting rid of their their political power once you get rid of their political power through 2030 we then by default regain control of the agriculture the water 
the economics. So there's so much linked to that 2030 legislation because a lot of people say to me, yeah, but what about what about when they starve us out and things like that? And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I understand that's a real problem, but everything is linked to that legislation. So when you cut that out, suddenly you don't have the agricultural blocks anymore. Suddenly you don't have the fuel blocks anymore. So we we get our resources back by default of getting rid of it politically. And then we can you know take other steps like maybe a Nuremberg 2.0 if we want yeah, to. Yeah, totally, totally. So one of the things I've heard you talk about that I think is a really good uh, thing to point out for our audience, and we've kind of discussed it a little bit, just, um, you know, as we see a lot of folks, you know, saying this communist regime that's taking over, but, you know, you're saying that it's uh, more of a technocratic regime. And I mm-hmm. wanna, maybe if you can explain the difference between the two and, and how you yeah. see this as more of a technocracy rather than communist. I wish it was communist because communist mm-hmm. is so much more upfront. You know, you know, you can't, it's like Nazism, like you can't fault Mm -hmm. them for at least being honest about what they want. You know, like, I mean, I find it despicable, obviously, but at least you're telling me who you are. You tell me what you want. The problem with technocracy is so much more elusive Mm -hmm. because it's private and public, but it's neither. It's government and governance, but neither. And it's very elusive. But really what you're looking at is the, I mean, if we go back a hundred years ago, the idea of technocracy was born by so they they say on paper by a guy called Thorsten Veblen in the 1920s, but we all know it's born from the Rockefellers and those yeah. people um, because, you know, John D. Rockefeller and these guys are talking about this stuff long time ago. But on paper, Thorsten Veblen comes up with this idea of technocracy, which is like the merging together of capitalism and communism. You combine the systems together. The way that they saw it, according to their writings 100 years ago, and this is, of course, when those two things were really at odds, right? Communism was a real force in the world. It wasn't just social justice warriors at California University. So they saw it as a, at least according to their own way of thinking, a peacekeeping mission. If we can combine these two areas, we can create world peace and we can basically have a system that's run by uh, economics and tech as opposed to by politicians and bureaucrats. And at first, that can sound really tempting because it's like, well, who would you rather have in power, right? Elon Musk or Joe Biden? Well, Elon Musk is certainly a lot more competent than Joe Biden. So at first it sounds rational. It makes sense until of course you realize that you'd have no say in that institution, that that system at all, right? And then suddenly it's better to have this stupid irrational guy because at least I have a constitution that can allow me to get about. I can carry a gun. Um, that's all gone when you no longer have access to the halls of power. And I know our access is somewhat awful right now but it's still better right we i can still carry a gun i can still do certain things that i want to do especially in this middle america region we're like the freest place in the world right now Mm -hmm. so um the concern for for me of course when you read this technocracy writing you basically come to this conclusion that you're looking at people that want to of course merge these public and private together but want to get rid of politicians get rid of governments all together and control it as you know non-governmental organizations and corporate stakeholders together. So you're looking, you could imagine, let's say if we transforward, uh, fast forward to 2030, you'd have Klaus Schwab as say a corporate stakeholder on one side, and you would have uh, someone in the UN on the other side, and they now control global affairs, not Biden, Boris Johnson, you know, et cetera. So that's what technocracy is, the merging of all those systems. Mm -hmm. And it almost seems like they're taking what benefits their agenda the most from all these different ideologies like Marxist ideologies and from like fascist, uh, you know, practice, you know, so they're cherry picking. And so they're almost like refining, 
uh, taking what they've learned works in the past and maybe what doesn't work and kind of coming up with this new system and like talking about refining and learning, you know, this whole, the execution of this whole COVID thing, you know, they've been able to learn a lot about just like behavioral psychology and just the way of like, just like mass psychosis. Like they've, they've, they've been taking notes this whole time, you know, and like Ed talks about a lot about how they almost know just how far to push it without pushing people over the edge, but it's literally right to the brink. And so they're learning, they're learning what we're willing to put up with, what we aren't learn, willing to put up with. And they're going to use that information as it rolls forward to, to the, like the climate agenda, for example. And um, I've asked this, we've, we've kind of pondered this question before, but I was wondering what maybe if you have any thoughts on this. So as far as the COVID thing goes, they needed something to represent the fact that I have am shown fealty to the COVID cult. I am one of the COVID cult members. That's the mask, right? Is there some signal that they're going to be able to roll out that we're going to be able to signify like people who are on board with the climate change thing and people that aren't on board with the climate change thing? <laughs> right. Yeah. Some sort of symbol. So I would, I don't know about this. I mean, very possible, right? I, I would imagine they, they are going to ramp up climate psyops over the course of the next few years. I, I, so 2020 was actually one of the, was really the first milestone year of this 21st century plan. Mm -hmm. And of course we saw how much changed in 2020. The next one is 2025 and then the major one being 2030. So I would expect the next major psyop by that reasoning, 2025 right in the middle, because of course the last one was 2020. Um, so it makes sense that they would probably do some type of climate psyop around 20, 2025, something mm -hmm. probably quite big to shift it in that direction up to 2030. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just, I was just, it's, it seems like at least from how I see it, they, they are rolling that out pretty gradually every single yeah. year. I mean, obviously, if you look at just the U.S., I mean, the fires we've had on the West Coast, um, the the big uh, storm they had in Houston, was it Houston or where it was, was it? It was in Texas. In Texas last Texas, year. Yeah. The, 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 Houston, yeah. I mean, uh, just it, it feels like they are trying to attribute so much to climate change as it is right now. I mean, mm -hmm. it was, what was it uh, last year or the year before that Australia burned? Yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just last year. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, or no, you, year before. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if they need a big event with climate change. Everybody, everybody believes it. Everybody buys it. <laughs> right. I mean, they're the we're yeah. we're very much the minority on climate change. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I, I was speaking to a friend recently and we were talking about this and I was mentioning that climate change will become the kingmaker again in this narrative as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, that didn't really work before, right? Because he was saying that in 2019, you know, with Greta Thunberg and stuff, a lot of us kind of laughed at that and uh, how how much can change in just a couple of years, eh? Because I kind of thought that was funny too until now. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy shit, they were really serious about that. Mm -hmm. um, but I said to him, you've got to bear in mind that people have been changed right like this uh mass trauma event of the last two years mm -hmm. has has changed people as we talked about you know brain has now been infantilized in that first six week period it only takes 60 days to recondition someone's behavior i did a lot of work on this uh just looking at general academia we were looking at how people's behavior changes over certain periods and 60 days is enough to change someone's behavior right so go to the gym for a couple of months most of that goes into your subconscious mind at this point which is 95% of your daily processes, right? So after 60 days, your subconscious mind absorbs most of the data. We're taking in 11 million impressions a second, right? So 
subconscious mind now is the one that's telling me about the mass, telling me about the vax, telling me about the distancing, telling me about the not going to Christmas dinner. All of the things that we would have done consciously are now done subconsciously. So people are different now. They have been reconditioned. Now you can break that conditioning. There's always a way to, to reverse these things. But of course, it's difficult to do uh, easily. There's really only two ways around it. The first and easiest way is another trauma event. It's the easiest way to re-crack people back open because, as I said, it's kind of like Play-Doh. Now they have been reformatted and they're kind of hardening up again in this new condition. So for people to have a, a big sea change, they would have to have another trauma to re-put them back in that malleable state of neuroplasticity so we can change them back to being normal human beings. And I would predict that will happen with a lot of people when, um, part, partly when their families start dying of this injection, but in mm. particular with children. Mm -hmm. I think if you see a child die of this, that's the kind of trauma that will start to put people back on the path where they can be uh, reconditioned to being a normal human. Um, the way we communicate with them is really important too. We almost have to... I, we talked about this on Union of the Unwanted a bit, but I was trying to say to the group that you you have to talk subversively, um, you indirect suggestion. And so what I try to do is uh, one way to break people out of cult-like thinking is to to tell stories that are about you that they can relate to, mm -hmm. that they can identify with. Sure. So one example you could use is something important politically that you used to buy into. You could say, look, I used to be a really big Trump guy. I thought he was going to save America. I really invested a lot in it. I even discarded friends for it, but I was wrong. I mean, he sold me out on the vaccine. He, he sold me out on not really stopping Syrian wars. He sold me out on, uh, you know, Operation Warp Speed being the, the most important mm -hmm. one, the lockdowns. Assange. I was, yeah. I, Assange, I was, I was wrong. And just let them live in that space with you right that you've you're basically admitting that you've committed to a political idea before really heavily and it's okay to be wrong and you're creating this indirect suggestion a space where they can start to live in that space themselves um it's not manipulation if you're telling the truth i always say this to people because one person said you ask manipulative i'm like no it's not if it's true it isn't don't lie obviously don't make shit up tell the truth we've all invested in things we shouldn't have invested in so i'm sure you have a story mm. so that's right. one way of doing it right and there are other ways too most important one is to lead by example most important because often i have a lot of friends who uh who took the devil's ticket and went down the vax path and um most people i know and they check in with me a lot and they've gotten you know weaker and weaker and weaker emotionally their emotional fortitude has been worked away they're, they're more depressed than ever, more anxious than ever. And they check in on me and they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, fucking great. I'm loving mm -hmm. it. God is good. Freedom is yeah. good. Yes. I'm loving life. <laughs> and that is the most important part, that leading by example, because I wake up every day with more purpose than ever, as you guys will, mm -hmm. I'm sure, right? 100%. Uh, so aside from the stories, it's important for us to say to people, look, the grass is actually greener on our side. Yeah, you have all the shiny toys, but they're going to take that shit away from you anyway. Yeah. We have self-respect. We have real friendship. We have God. We have freedom. We have community. And uh sucks to be you, but you're welcome to join us. We want you to join us at any mm -hmm. time you want. And uh, that's really important for them to know that we we want them to join us, no matter how deep they went into it, no matter how much they invested, 
you know, they are welcome on our team. And I think those two approaches are the two I advise people, but they, they can make a big difference. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, that is the greatest message ever. Yeah, totally. I almost kind of want to just leave it there because like yeah. that, that, I mean, that's how I feel too. I mean, I feel like since, since COVID has happened and we started a podcast, I mean, I've often said we are living our best life. Right? Yeah. Like Dude, th- th- for sure. I mean, we, we are living in our truth and, and just walking forward with purpose and, and, uh, it's been such a wonderful journey, but yeah, and I think a mass awakening is happening. You know, it really is. Just in like you said, the last week or two, man. Like I feel like you know, just having like McCullough on the on Joe Rogan. You know, that was a huge, huge win for us. You know what I mean? Like it's going to reach a lot of people that maybe just weren't reachable before. You know, and I think uh, a lot of the the you can tell a tree by its fruits. You know what I mean? And like these right, these right. free states, these free states when they when they emerge, you know, it's going to be like I just in the, the vision I have in my mind is just like bright, sunny, like beautiful women just like ah it's just gonna be like paradise and then you go to like you go to like one of these like uh global governance cities and it's just gonna be dark and dreary and everyone's wearing like shawls and they're like got scabs on their face like that's what i envision that's what i envision so it's not exactly it yeah yeah it does feel like that a little bit i i when i try i when i'm traveling around even in the state when i go into like a uh, blue city in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I come back out. I'm like, wow, man, that was hard. like, I feel like I was in a wall, you know? So, <laughs> uh, I definitely understand that, but I think there is, there is definitely an awakening. And, uh, you know, as I was saying before, and I probably is a good place to finish off. Like, sure. just, I, I would say that we do have, to, I do really look at this as a gift. We get to be the generation that stops a one world out state outcome. We get to be the generation that says to our children, we got to save your home. That's the best gift you could ever have. Awesome. Love it, man. Love it. What a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly. Well, Mark, tell us a little bit about America 21 and how our listeners can go support the efforts. Yeah. So everything, all the works on the website, I don't really use social media all that much. I do have a telegram and a Facebook I do have one, but I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really put a lot of effort into it, to be honest. Um, yeah. All of the important stuff's on the website, america21century.com. And you can find local activism PDF on there, which will give you basic steps, including vaccine exemption stuff, legal resources, as well as 2030 uh, repealing info. So a lot of good info in the PDF there, worth sharing. I have a 14,000 word thesis with an audio book. If you don't want to read it, you can listen to it. We dig in, we dive deep on that one. Um, and obviously media interviews, I'll put this one up there on there as well. So you can awesome. uh, listen to stuff and, uh, the website actually gets quite a bit hit. So we'll, we'll get some hits on there. Um, Beautiful. but I appreciate you guys, man. This is a, this is a fun chat. I, I love what you guys are doing. You bring a nice, fresh, uh, light energy, which is awesome. I Thanks love it. Mark. Really Thank appreciate you, so you man. Yeah. One more question. One more. What, what, what's the name that we can call these globalists that won't offend our flat earth friend? <laughs> Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I, I. That's something I've never really dived deep on. I'll have to do that one day. Um, too busy like trying to do other stuff. Uh, technocrats is the technocrats. Okay, okay, that'll work. All right, guys. Technocrats. So, all right. Satanists. Cunts. Satanists. Exactly. Yeah. No, whatever. Excuse yeah. me. What a Thank fantastic, you. uplifting conversation. I really, really appreciated it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate it. Sorry about the. Uh, sorry about the old back thing. I hope that. I'm getting much better. She's going to be back, back in studio soon. Thank you so, so awesome. much. Have a good All yeah, right, guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Mark. Talk to you Thanks, later. Mark. Stay in touch. Bye-bye.
I, I was just so impressed with yep. it. Like that was just, I mean, I feel like we needed like a refresher course on uh, the agenda 21 agenda mm-hmm. 2030 yeah, anyways. Talked about it. And uh, just someone who's finding success in uh, he's, he's winning. He's mm-hmm. winning. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. And uh, just, just what a good heart, man. Yep. What a good heart. And, yep. uh, and I just, I'm always feel so good when it's just, we meet more people that are just like, are, we're just doing the right thing and it feels good. And mm-hmm. we all, I don't know. We're vibing, dude. We're, yeah, we're, we're vibing. Just, we're just doing doing what needs to be done, and it feels good, man. Like we're, yeah. oh, God. I love so your good. whole message, the whole part, and we we keep saying this too that we want to really be available to people who have maybe yes. gone too far down into this diabolical hole, and they find themselves wanting to get out. I love that message. Like you know, we want you on the scene. We you're encouraged to be here. Like this is the place for you. Like I think that that's it's better the- over here. Come on over. It's yep. Better. Yeah, what a beautiful message, though, totally, and such great information, a great refresher, and a lot of new information, too, I think, that I hadn't necessarily heard, so a couple things. Very cool. Awesome. All right. We're closing it out, then? Let's do it. All right, everybody. Well, that was Mark Malone. Please go and find and support him and everything that they're doing over there. All the links in the show notes, of course, as always. Like, share, and subscribe, guys. Thanks for sitting in with us. And until next time, I'm Megan across town from the wonderful Scott Ned. We wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. Ding!